The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care. With guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Meryl Griff. And I'm so glad you decided to join us again on Caught Between Generations. We're going to talk today about rituals and family traditions. I'm a very, very strong believer uh, in rituals. As as a mother and a grandmother, but also as a therapist, um, I have a strong belief that rituals are so important uh, to us as people and as families. They, they hold us together as family. They hold us together as friends. They provide an anchor in time times of stress and crisis, and they're a vehicle for passing on our stories and philosophies of life to younger generations. And the performance of rituals often brings joy uh, to everyone involved, especially if we're cooking. That always brings joy to me. So on an earlier show, we discussed wisdom and how wisdom and our approaches to life can be transmitted to others and become part of our legacy. Rituals and traditions are a part of that process, and they become part of your legacy. And so because rituals are such, such an essential part of our lives, we have asked Meg Cox to join us today on Caught Between Generations. Meg is the author of the book entitled New Family Traditions, How to Create Great Rituals for Holidays and for Every Day. Meg has authored five books. She's written for many national well-known magazines, and she's lectured across the country. But I want to tell you that this show is not only about ways to add new traditions to family celebrations and holidays, but Meg is a very, very wise woman, and we're going to be discussing with her how you can use rituals to help manage your children's behavior at transitional times, such as bedtime or leaving for school in the morning. And we're going to be discussing the role of rituals in divorced families. We're going to be discussing the role of technology and just so much more, so much information that May Cox has to provide for us. So, OMG, as they say, we better get started. We have so much to talk about. So, Meg, welcome to Caught Between Generations. Thank you. So, Meg, you're, I talked a lot just now, probably longer than I should have, about how important rituals are, but you're the expert in this. So why do you see rituals as important for children and for adults? Well, when you look at the culture that we live in now, it's we're so distracted. We're just bombarded with all these messages and all these images and all this information. And it's not 
a lot of it very healthy. You need something that centers you and gives you a sense of identity and security, and that's where the family rituals come in because these are the times that we spend together. You know, I tell people it's like theater. It's like a form of theater. You are acting out and celebrating at the, at the same time your identity together as a family. And the more intentional and thoughtful the parents are about figuring out what those traditions are going to be, um, the more connected you're going to feel and the more that is going to create resilience and that sense of identity. It's, uh, it's good stuff. So I think there's a lot of confusion uh, for people between what is a routine and what is a ritual. I mean, what's the difference between those two things? Right. Well, you know, um, a routine is, you know, you brush your teeth every morning, and maybe you brush your teeth while you're listening to the radio. But the thing about ritual is there has to be a couple of extra elements, and one of them starts with intention. You just brush your teeth to make your teeth cleaner. You know, there isn't a whole lot of deep meaning behind it. Um, When you do a ritual, there is often deep meaning um, that is attached to it. You're doing this to get closer. You're doing this to express your faith as as an individual or a family. Uh, And the other piece has to do with, with intention. That you, you know, we glide through our routines without being very thoughtful about them. You just do it. You're on, you know, automatic pilot, you might say. But when you are in a ritual, again, sort of getting back to this sense of theater, there should be a sense that you're above ordinary reality and that you're really there in that moment. So, actually, that brings me to the your two Ps. I like that, of rituals. <laughs> That was great. I always like things that make it easier for me to remember. So talk to us about the two Ps of rituals. Well, one of them is that you have to make it personal. If you want to, and and this is, you know, in the beginning of my book, there is, uh, I talk a lot about recipes for ritual and how, because I I think people think, oh, if I don't pass this down from, um, you know, all through my family tree, then it's not really a ritual. It's not really a tradition. But but that's not true at all. You know, you have to also create things, you know, that are relevant to your situation as you're living your life. And so the things are to make it personal and to find your purpose are the, are the two Ps. So you the know, purpose I- could be, you know, the, again, part of your identity. It, it starts with your values, I guess I would say. What are the values that you are trying to uh, put into your children, to express most deeply to your children? You know, that brings up an important point that I often hear, and usually it's centered around Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. And so I hear young people who are, are now in a connected relationship, they may be married, and especially after they've either had children or adopted children, and they'll say, well... You know, we've had this family, you know, tradition, you know, all my life, um, you know, around Christmas time. But, you know, now we have our own immediate family and we feel like we want to start our own new tradition. I mean, and they're so conflicted about that and they so struggle with that. I mean, what's your advice for them? Uh, It can be a real negotiation. And, uh, you know, you have to start from a place of, of love and flexibility, 
You know, that you, you have to sort of hassle out what are the things that are most important to you. Obviously, your extended family is important, but what happens in a lot of families is that once you start having children, then you don't want if you're, especially if your family is far away, you don't want to spend all your time traveling. So, you know, so sometimes what you do is you play with the calendar. You invent holidays that are, that are between other things that work out. Um, and this is, you know, true of divorced families, too. I know this, you know, one family where they were divorced and the father was remarried and had kids by the second marriage. And so he had his kids on a day that wasn't, you know, Christmas or Christmas Eve. So they called it, they did it before Christmas and they called it practice Christmas. So part of it <laughs> is being being flexible, being playful, and, you know, just reminding everybody about the the priority. What really matters is being together, expressing your love, uh, doing these rituals, and um, and not getting hung up on, 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 you know, some of the details. You know, I love that. I want to have a practice birthday before my real birthday. <laughs> I think that's fabulous. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, Meg, one of the things you talk about, because we're talking about now, you know, uh, possibly developing new rituals, is that, you know, the rituals have to have a distinct beginning and a distinct end. So, can you talk a little bit about that and give us an example? Yeah, and, and again, this is, gets back to that, Excellent earlier question about routine versus ritual is um, and one of the and it 's also partly about why kids love uh, ritual and, and celebration so much because it's it 's the life in capital letters with exclamation points it 's the time when you get to eat special food and get louder and sing and you know do all the fun stuff that that kids love but you know, when you you could look at something as simple as singing happy birthday to somebody this is a ritual we you know almost everybody does this right. You light the, the birthday cake and you and you announce that you're going to sing and you all sing together and that's the, you know, you announce it, that's the beginning and lighting the candles is the beginning and then you all sing and then the person makes a wish and blows it out and so, or even something like doing a prayer, a grace at dinner. If they were going to say grace now, then there's the, the sort of meat of the ritual, which is the, the prayer and then you say amen and that's, so you just think of it as curtain coming up curtain coming down. And, and that's important, I would think, for the children because they need to, Why is it important for the kids, do you think? Well, it's, you know, partly because um, they can just get so wired. And, uh, and, and that's why sort of doing things in, in, a, in, a, in a program segmented way, I mean, you don't want to over-program it, but just to, uh, this also sort of uh, it hinges into the, into the topic of, uh, of um, problem-solving rituals for kids. They get so wired around the holidays. So if you do something like an Advent type of approach where you do a little something every day, then, then it's more manageable. So part of it is, you know, kids want that excitement. They love that excitement. They love the, you know, the Halloween candy, and they love the putting on the costumes. But that can't be every moment of every day. So it's, part of it is... is um, it's creating that the ritual space and that time where it's okay to to act silly and act goofy and you know eat extra sugar. <laughs> so, in in continuing this discussion about you know new rituals, all right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are certain occasions that might benefit 
from a ritual that maybe we might not have considered before. So, you know, one of my own examples is that I've often worked with families in creating new rituals uh, around the adoption of a child. Mm -hmm. So do you have other examples of events that we might not have thought about but might benefit from a ritual? Well... You know, one of the things that I I say to adults, and I've been lecturing a lot lately to adults about creating rituals in their own lives, is um, is looking in your own life and saying, you know, what's missing? What are the things that I ache for? What are the things that I that I don't have? Um, and then figuring out a ritual. And it might be that you are at a very busy point in your life, and you're not. Um, seeing people. You're not close to people. I mean, I read this wonderful story not too long ago about a, a young guy who got out of college and so, and he was, you know, starting on his career and he's like, oh my God, what happened to my friends? You know, I'm like so intensely in my job and then um, I, I miss those friendships that I had and that, that kind of t- closeness that was just natural because we were all in the same place in the dorms and what have you. So he decided to create a ritual of a um, kind of a supper club kind of thing that he and his and this group of friends would get together once a month. They would have a theme. They would have a topic, a uh, conversation topic. And it was putting back into his life something that he missed. So that's kind of one way to do it. And you could do that as a family, too. Isn't that interesting? So what's interesting to me is they chose a theme. They mm-hmm. just they just didn't kind of get together. Yeah. Isn't no, that interesting? They just thought that would add a whole layer to it, you know, of, of kind of got, not like that's the only thing they talk about. And it was interesting. I looked at what some of the topics were they chose, and one of them was, and this, again, is, you know, the, a young generation that's very wired. And they said, you know, let's talk about things that we do on the weekend to be more unplugged. Interesting. It's very close to um, your conversation baskets um, that you suggest that people use at dinner time. Um, Right. And we don't, we don't have, we'll get to that. We, we don't have, we have to go to break so we don't have time to talk about it. But it's interesting that when you give structure sometimes to an unstructured situation that actually it helps a whole lot. So we'll get back to the conversation baskets. So we're going to go to break. Uh, when we return, we'll be discussing with Meg Cox how we can use rituals in helping children and other family members through difficult transitions such as bedtime, homework, you know, going to school. And I'm going to add a little piece in based on Meg's work for seniors and the importance of family traditions and rituals as they move from their family home. So stay with us. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where's your mom? What's she doing? You'd know if she was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know she's enjoying a full day of activities programmed just for her interests, like art classes, volunteering, pet care, and card club. And she's home by dinner. And what's different is that Sarah Care actually has nursing care right there with her. So you'd know. Try one free day of care at Sarah Care. Call 330-451-6108. How's your mom? She's just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Where's your dad? What's he doing? 
You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. This is Dr. Merrill. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. We're here with Meg Cox today, and we're discussing her book, The Book of New Family Traditions, How to Create Great Rituals for Holidays and Every Day. And we've had a great discussion so far talking about the difference between rituals and routines and the creation of new rituals um, for such events such as adoption or friends that haven't seen each other for a while. But we're going to switch gears now, and we're going to talk to Meg um, about her work with using rituals to help us through difficult transitional times. Welcome back, Meg. There's just so much to learn from you. Um, Thank you. There really is. So I, 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 I just thought your your book had so much information in it. And, and so can you talk to us about using rituals to help us through difficult transitional times, such as bedtime and also homework? Yes. Well, this was, you know, I started writing my first book about family traditions right after my son was born in um, 1994. And so I was uh, learning while I was writing, I was interviewing parents all over the country and I was interviewing psychologists and religious educators and, and all of that. And, you know, I, like a lot of parents, I just started out thinking, oh, God, it's going to be so excited. How are we going to celebrate Christmas and what are we going to do on his birthday and all of that. And it took me a while to realize that the most important parts for little kids, because, you know, a year is forever to a little kid, um, but every day is intense for them. And um, and those we all know after after raising a child not very long, you know, which, when are going to be their, their tantrum moments? When are going to be their meltdown moments? What are the things that, um, that they get crankiest? You know, when do the, the tears and the tantrums happen? And it took me a while to realize the, the power, the absolute power of a, um, a problem-solving ritual where you, you anticipate those things and before the tantrums start, you have something that you do that is, it, you know, it works as a distraction, but it's more. It's, it, it's, a, it's a routine. It's a song. It's a game. It's something that you do that takes their mind after, uh, off of their, you know, the unpleasantness or the thing that's, that's giving them uh, anxiety, and they start to look forward to that. So I just started doing that with, with my son, you know, just singing a little song to him, say, before a bath when he was really little. And that's what bedtime rituals are, are problem-solving rituals. Because if you have a good ritual in place, it makes things go so much more smoothly. I even had a ritual for, you know, the supermarket because that was a, you know, that can be a very contentious place. With oh, yes, it can. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So it, it's interesting you say that because I, um, um, I have a little ritual with my granddaughter, actually. One of her difficult transitional times was getting out of the bathtub. You know, she mm-hmm. just would not want to get out of the bathtub. And I happened to find a little song to the tune of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. I'm not taking, <laughs> I'm not going to sing it, so don't be concerned. But um, it, it, you know, it's Take Me Out of the Bathtub. All right. Um, and I and I did it with a lot of flair. Thank goodness no one else was listening. You know, it's my <laughs> granddaughter. She thought it was great. Um, what does she know about singing? But, um, you know, and to, and to this day, she's seven, you know, um, she'll be like, sing me that song so I can get Aww. out of the bathtub or I can get out of the shower, you know, when we're together. That's so wonderful. Yeah, yes, it that, works. See how great that is? Yeah, it, it is like, it's like having a magical power. It's really great. And, you know, for my son, he also had this issue where I think a lot of kids, he wanted to have a bubble bath every time. And the, the pediatrician said, oh, that's too irritating on his skin. You know, you shouldn't do it every time. So we just started this thing. I would say, oh, well, we only have bu- bubble baths on Fridays. Friday is bubble bath day and today's Wednesday. And, you know, but if you have a plan like that, it's also, also you know, becomes this is the uh, this is the days of the week, and then it, you make it more special, you ha- anticipate, you, you know, but, but then it's not just no. Right, and it, you're right. I mean, my daughter-in-law has a wonderful ritual. Um, I forget exactly what they call it, but it's something like Super Sundays or something, mm-hmm. where, you know, she was tired of arguing with the kids about, you know, healthy eating. You know, and so she declared, you know, one day a week, Sunday mornings, they have hot chocolate and chocolate croissants. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, go for it, you know, <laughs> and that takes care of it for the entire week. And there's no more conflict about it anymore. And no one's arguing. So you're yeah, right. And it that's really part works. of what it's about is, is not the no, it's this instead. And, you know, there's actually a, a woman that I found who has something called Yes Days. And because uh, her kids say, oh, I want to I want to play this now. I want to do that. I want to wear my tutu. And it's like, no, I'm fixing dinner. I can't play that game. Or, you know, we have to go to the doctors. We can't we can't put on the tutus. But if you say, well, it will take that thing that you want to do now that I'll let you do, but just the reasons why it can't be now, and put it in the yes jar. And then they have, um, they have a yes day. I think it's one Saturday a month um, that is yes day, and they take everything out of the yes jar, and each of the kids gets to pick a couple of those things, and then they do them. But so then it's not, it's not no forever. It's, it's, it's converted to, oh, I will have a chance to do this, just not now. And that's a great thing for kids to learn anyway, that you don't always get immediate gratification. I love that. That is great. That is just great. So, Meg, what are your suggestions for divorced families or blended families? I mean, there's the issue of rituals. There's the issues of comings and goings. I mean, I think it's very confusing for many families. What are your suggestions for how to handle those types of situations? Uh, Well... As a stepmom, <laughs> I have been a stepmom. Um, when I met my husband, his daughter was 16, and um, uh, it's it really you have to be really sensitive to the fact that people have other ways of doing things, and that harmony and that you want to have a good time together. It's really important to have a good time together, and that's more important than doing it your way. Um, and, you know, just one example, I had certain things that we did as a family. I'm a much more sentimental person than my stepdaughter, so I would never think to put those on her. And um, 
you know, we did a, um, a, a thankful tree on, on Thanksgiving where, where everybody would write on these colored leaves and put it on these bare branches, you know, things that they're thankful for that year. Well, I just knew that she wouldn't go for that. So, you know, I, if it was, if Thanksgiving was at our house, we will have done it before they come over. There'll be extra leaves on the table. If she or her husband or somebody wanted to do it, we're not, you know, excluding them. But I wouldn't think of, like, when we celebrated her house, taking it with me. But I remember once when my son was a little guy, and we were at her house in Washington for Thanksgiving, and he said, oh, we can't do our grateful tree here. Let's go sit on the porch and talk to each other about what we're grateful for. So I just thought that was so wonderful that he was, he wanted to do it. He got sort of the important part of, of, of what it was, the essence of it. And um, and he figured out a way to do it anyway. So um, it really has to come out of sort of a deep respect and, again, the, the, the sense of a priority of I want a good relationship with this person. And that means um, I have to be... Um, I have to be thinking about what um, and listening to what would be would feel more like a celebration to to them and um, and make sure that the time together is is respectful and is you know when you find fun ways to celebrate. So in thinking about ways to be respectful and sensitive um, to people, because I think that's how we end up with a lot of conflict around and stress mm-hmm. around holiday time. So share with us, if you would, um, you know, how you handle situations like sadness and loss and, and grieving at holiday time. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things I'm saying and when I talked about, you know, my, my stepdaughter is part of it is that you don't wait until the last minute. <laughs> you, you try and think before a major holiday, what are the things that might be contentious or might be difficult or might be painful? And for me, my husband died um, a little over a year ago and, um, uh, July, uh, 2015. And so just as an example, the first Thanksgiving was was really, really hard. You know, you're really feeling the loss of that person. And um, I thought, you know, what are the different things that we could do? And one of them was, I don't know, do you leave an empty chair? Some people do that. I thought that didn't feel good to me. Um, and then I thought, oh, my God, who's going to sit in my husband's chair? You know, he always sat in a particular chair. A lot of families do that. You know, you sit in your chair. And uh, he was at the head of the table. And I just thought, Boy, I better think of this now and um, come up with uh, with a way to handle it. Otherwise, everybody's going to come in and it's going to hit them right between the eyes. And that's going to become, you know, the overriding emotion. And and I just thought, oh, that's just that's just too hard. So I asked my son who is now 21, do you want to sit in that seat? Who should sit in dad's chair? And he said, I think my he has a half-sister who's 20 years older. He said, I think Kate should sit there. And I told her beforehand that, you know, we had talked about it and would she do that. So everybody was ready for it. And, and we could talk about him. And that's the other thing is thinking, okay, let's actually plan on doing uh, an exercise where we go around the table and say things we were grateful for. Have, why were we so grateful to have them in our lives? So, because so, I think when you lose somebody, 
the hardest thing, the scariest, most horrible thing is to think that person is going to be forgotten and their story will die. And, and, and you want their love and their story to continue. And so you need to find a way to, without being morbid, make that a, a part of the, of the holidays going forward. I think that's the main thing. I think that's very wise. I have one very quick question um, before we go into the next break, and that is um, you have something you call cooling off rituals that mm-hmm. has to do with children who are obviously fighting, um, usually with their siblings. So mm-hmm. what is a cooling off ritual? Well, some people have, you know, hug-offs. I think that can be dangerous if kids are really angry. Um, so this one family did this thing that I really loved, which is it's called Crazy Dance Party. And uh, anybody, especially now with our cell phones, you are, you are seconds away from making music happen. And so they, you know, anybody who's in that situation, uh, parent or child, sees that things are getting out of control, they just declare Crazy Dance Party and they do a countdown, 10, 9, 8, you know, during that time. You find a radio or a, or an iPhone or something, and you start music, and people just dance like maniacs. And uh, how can you stay mad? You know, it just again it it um, it lifts the needle off of the off of the the, the the you know angry spot and makes you laugh. And you're in it together. It just reminds you we're in it together, and we do this silly thing when we get mad, and then we go out. <laughs> I- I love that. I just love that. So we're going to go for uh, another break. Unfortunately, we learned so much from Meg. But when we return, we'll be discussing how you can incorporate technology uh, into your family rituals and ways to include family members who may live at a distance or for some other reason may not be able to join you uh, at the ritual or the family tradition. Stay tuned. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. How's your husband now that he can't quite take care of himself? Or how's your wife now that getting around isn't as easy as it used to be? You'd know if your spouse was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities, a full day of customized activities and their home by dinner, and nursing care that's right there with them. How's your spouse? Just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Try it for free. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. This is Dr. Merrill. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. We're having a great time with Meg Cox, learning about new family traditions, her book, How to Create Great Rituals for Holidays and Every Day. So, Meg, let's talk about technology because often when we discuss technology and families, the discussion actually focuses on putting away the technology um, because it's disruptive to making connections and building relationships. And everyone's advice is, oh, you know, no technology um, when it comes to families, you know. 
However, you think about technology and how it can help us build connections and relationships, which is a much different approach than most other people have. So how do you do that? How do you use the technology that way? Right. Well, there's various ways, and um, and I do also, though, agree that there are times that just have to be no screens, especially family dinner, and, you know, you have to have, I think it's really valuable to have a meal every day where nobody's looking at a screen, and, and that's, you know, that's really important. Um, but but our, these devices are allow us to tell stories and stay connected and in all kinds of ways, and uh, I think some families have. Um, I mean, just you just look at how a lot of people have different ringtone for every member of their family. <laughs> it, it is um, it is a very personalized device, um, so you can uh, have like certain like family memes, things that you send to each other that you think are funny, and uh, there are families that do um, blogs together. Might do a blog about their you know their vacation. Um, and uh, and it's a great way to to um, share things that you're looking at together. But you know, again, you have to have this time where you don't do it, where, where you're really looking at each other. And then the other time is uh, trying to find ways to um, to use it in a connecting way. That is to share a story or. Um, to uh, send messages or to synchronize, you know. So you're doing, you can all watch the same thing at the same time or do the same thing or there are games that you can connect through. And having things like that on a screen I, I think is good because, you know, there are real positive things with the technology. Doing, um, taking um, silly pictures together. I, I know this sounds really crazy, but there's this one family that just because of weird, some weird fluke started this habit of, of taking these pictures that they call playing dead. I mean, I think it was just like the mom and the kid once were in, waiting forever in the doctor's office and the, and the mom just sort of stretched out across the, the um, examining table and, and it had the kid take a picture. And, um, and so she said, oh, I'm just going to pretend I'm dead. And that just became a thing in the family. <laughs> they did all these pictures that they even, you know, maybe put them up on a, a board somewhere together, a Pinterest board or something. I don't know what it was, but it was just their thing. And that is, you know, that is a connecting story. That is a, a, I am a big fan of silly rituals. Silly is almost always good. And, uh, and, and so it can be a thing that you do, a selfie that you always do, you photobomb each other, you know, whatever it is. Oh, you could take your picture with Flat Stanley. I just thought about that, <laughs> wherever you are. For those of you who don't know what Flat Stanley is, look him up. Um, yes. he, he travels around the world. He's kind of like Dora, but he's flat, and his name right. is Stanley. But it's so. like, you know, again, when you, when you start to create these things, it's about who are we as a family. Okay, we make music together, so maybe you have a family song. And, you know, when you do a video, you start a, a, a family video, you start with the song. I mean, it's thinking about about who you are together that starts some of that fun stuff and you just get on a riff, you know? So for make for those of us like myself who uh, are long distance grandparents, I mean, I live in the Midwest now, my grandchildren are in New York. Um, what are your suggestions 
um, for celebrating holidays when you're unable um, to be together because because of work schedules and sometimes certain holidays fall in the middle of the week, um, you know, we can't always be together. Do you have any suggestions for those types of situations? Yeah, I have, I have a couple. And um, there's one family, this happens to be Thanksgiving, but you could do it for other holidays, where they, the family's very scattered and they're not even all in, the, in this country. And they have a pie-baking ritual, like a day or two before Thanksgiving, and they all synchronize their watches and they bake pies at the exact same time using their grandmother's recipe. And then the grandmother calls each one of the houses and talks to each one of the grandchildren. So there's... Again, there's, you know, we have kind of these, uh, the ability to do things virtually. So, so you can have, you could have, um, a, a virtual, um, advent. You could, um, be on FaceTime and lighting candles at the same time. You could be, um, uh, you know, if you can't be there to, um, to do a, a bedtime story, you can do that again virtually. And maybe that becomes a weekend ritual for a grandparent, for a little kid. It's like on Sunday night, grandma's going to read you your bedtime story. So there, um, again, we know we have this great technology, and it isn't inherently negative. We can use it in a in a positive uh, way um, to create rituals. So that brings back the, actually for me, the issue of changing some traditions. So are there circumstances when a tradition stops working or it needs to be changed? Oh, so many, so many. There's so many reasons why they need to be changed. And, um, and, and, and part of it is this sort of a family negotiation because the parents and the kids might not always be on the, on the same page. But, you know, you get to that point where, uh, where the kids don't leave cookies for Santa anymore or whatever. Part of it is aging out of things. And part of it is just deciding that's too much work. And there's one family I know where the mother got um, uh, diagnosed with MS. And she used to make these really, really complicated uh, meals um, and dishes that everybody loved. And finally, she said, you know, it's killing me. She said, you have two choices. I will teach you how to make it, and then the kids make it every year, or we switch to a menu that I can physically do. She gave them a choice, and they decided they'd rather she cook, so they switched menus. (laughs) But... So that's one, that's one reason why you need to change. I'll tell, another, I'll tell you another one, which I think is hitting a lot of families, and I know this happened to my extended family as, um, with, with age. Again, with the stepdaughter and with the, with the grown-ups, we looked at each other and said, we feel silly buying expensive gifts for each other. You know, we don't need it. It's... Um, it's just sort of obscene, and you know, we, we the kids should get a lot of presents, but we this is just feels wrong. So we started a kind of goofy gift exchange, which I think a lot of people do now. Ours is like a pirate gift exchange. I don't know what the name of it is for uh, at this point, but you know, you get a couple of things. Nothing can cost more than twenty five dollars, and you get a couple things that are good, sort of um, kitchen devices or things that are practical, and then you get some just downright disgusting things and some silly things and <laughs> and we you can steal them you steal them from each other there's a pattern that you go through the list and and so it becomes just a fun game and you might wind out wind up with a new you know wine opener or something that you actually use um but it's about the it's about the silliness and the camaraderie you get 
and not like, oh God, you know, I really don't know my uh, my stepdaughter's husband would would he like this golf club or would he like this scotch? And you don't have to. You just get rid of all that, and it's about having fun. I think those so are great suggestions because, you know, when I talk to people as the holidays are approaching, everyone is very often stressed. I mean, it's yeah. all like, Whoa, oh, I'm so happy, you know, Thanksgiving is coming, Christmas is coming, Guaza is going. No, everyone's stressed, you know, about what am I going to buy and how much debt am I going to go into? Um, and so I think those are just just great suggestions. So let's talk about rituals for, I hate to get back now into something that's sad, but for other life events, um, uh, such as a loss of a, of a pet. Um, I was just at dinner with someone I'm mentoring, and we were talking about that um, they just lost their cat, and their four-year-old was very, very upset. We were talking about ways to handle that with her. Um, so what's your suggestion for rituals for those type of uh, life events? Yes, well, I think, again, it is super important to not just let it pass because, again, you are sending a, me- a message that's very scary to a young child, which is that once you're gone, you're dead to us, you know, in, in every way. And, um, and, and you want to send that message that the love stays behind and you don't forget and, and, and all of that. And um, so, you know, a lot of people do pet funerals. It's, it's a wonderful thing to do. Um, you talk about the pet. You can... Um, Maybe uh, put a, a tree or a, bu- a small tree or a bush in your yard, and maybe even with a marker for the pet. You could do a little book. You can um, save stories about the pet and what was so great about the pet, and uh, you can celebrate, still celebrate the birthday. If you if you celebrated your pet's birthday when they were around, you can still celebrate it because you know, especially as a kid, you know you're your animal that was your first pet, it's very important to you, you, you know, very emotional. And, uh, and, and you need to, it, it's sort of a, a training in grief and loss that's important. There are, you know, other situations where I think children don't respond well, such as, you know, there really isn't a tooth fairy and Santa, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't really exist. And my own just personal feeling about this is that sometimes children get very resistant um, to give up the myth because actually they want to give up the ritual. I mean, some of it is the myths, but a lot of it is the ritual. So, I, I mean, what's your feeling about that, and how do you help kids make that transition? Why well, I, I think it, it's really hard for me to answer that because I think it's so different from family to family and I know there are people who feel very strongly that you never introduce the myth to begin with. I think um, I think with you have to sort of take it on a case by case basis and um, sometimes it can be very sweet. I know my, my sister had a long period of time where she had very little money and her son believed in Santa Claus for a long time. Not so much because he wanted to keep um, you know, cling to the myth, but because she was so careful in saving and so smart about the way she spent the money that it looked like a lot more than it than it was. And so he said to her later that he believed in Santa Claus longer than all of his friends because as he got older, he couldn't believe that she could buy so much stuff on her salary. <laughs> 
we're we're gonna we're gonna go to break but i'm gonna tell you a very i just have to piggyback on that very quickly and that is one of my um sons um removed his first tooth um and from under his pillow when i asked the next morning i said well the tooth fairy left me this note that said there's no tooth but they she still left you this anyway um i said why did what happened to the tooth and he said well i threw it away and i said why why did you do that and he said look I don't know this tooth fairy. I didn't want a strange person coming into my bedroom in the middle of the night. <laughs> I said, okay. So when we return, we'll be asking Meg about innovative ways to celebrate some of the major holidays, as well as some unexpected ones, such as snow days. Stay with us. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At SarahCare, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities and home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. I'm Dr. Merrill, and I'm here with May Cox, author of the book of New Family Traditions, How to Create Great Rituals for Holidays and Every Day. So, Meg, let's talk about New Year's Day because some people like think it's great. They love New Year's Eve, but I find a lot of people who find this that particular holiday very depressing. You know, it's in the it's in the middle of winter. You know, uh, they're coming off the high from other holidays. I mean, what's your suggestion for ways to celebrate New Year's that might make it a little less depressing for people? Right. Well, we started doing a thing that that we we thought was a lot of fun, which is, um, it was a kind of a, a questionnaire that we do on New Year's Day. And, um, we talk about, we, we each, each of us fill it out and we, you know, what was the best thing that happened to you this year? What was the worst thing that happened to you this year? And then it's, you know, what's the best book you read? And then we try and predict things, you know, in the, in the future history books, People will say the highlights of this year were, and, you know, you list what you think they were. And um, we, we do some things like that. And then what's really fun is to, um, to read the past ones 
from previous years and see how well you did. And also, it's just a snapshot about what was important to you at a, at a certain time. You know, actually, I, my, I have a book club that does that. Um, I hadn't even thought about doing it for New Year's. They do it for their holiday party. And every year they open up the answers from the year before. And so we get to see what actually happened. Um, even the results of a, of a local football, you know, football team, a national league, but, you know, uh, local. And then whoever had the most right actually wins a prize. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Yeah, that's great. That's really it's fun. very competitive, but yeah. yeah. And, you know, another one that I like that you can also do on uh, um, the solstice is um, that sort of, um, you know, uh, centering on the idea of let go of the bad things and get ready for, you know, you have a, a clean slate, so to speak. So it's um, you just take little twigs and you put um, a red uh, ribbon on one end of the twig and a green ribbon on the other end. And... Um, you have a fire either in your fireplace or, a, you know, a, you could even just do it in a like a metal bowl or something. I've done that when I was, like, teaching Sunday school or whatever. But you um, you talk about this and, uh, and, you, and you break the sticks. Kids love this. You break the sticks in two. Um, what you're doing is the red end you're going to throw into the fire. That is the bad stuff that happened that year. That is the the bad habits, the bad things that you are done with. And you throw that in, and it's like, good riddance, we're done with that. So then you save the end of the stick with the green on it, and that's the green for rebirth and renewal, and that's getting excited about the new year. Lots of new possibilities. Oh, I love that. I'm going to pass one on to you if I can. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is, um, we have friends who are from Argentina, and um, when we first met them, and there was a whole group of us who moved into uh, the city I'm living in now at the same time, um, and she said, you know, I really don't understand how Americans celebrate um, New Year's because for us in Argentina, actually, it's a family holiday. And so we would never, ever celebrate New Year's without our children and grandchildren, you know, and everyone together. And we thought, wow, what a great idea because almost all of us had moved from someplace else and so we were without um, our many of our family members and so for many many years um, on New Year's Eve we all got together all five families um, came together with our children we all celebrated it together um, and our kids still remember that they still talk about um, getting together every New Year's Eve as a family and I'm, I'm seeing my son now with his own children continuing that tradition um, that we learned from her. Wonderful. So I just wanted to pass that on. Let, let's talk about Mother's Day and Father's Day for a minute, because mm-hmm. it's another one. You know, pe- some people love it. Some people are like, oh, I can't, you know, here we go again. It's a Hallmark holiday. I can't take it. Right. What's your suggestions for that? Well, I think it's so individual. and I, But I also think that people, particularly with Mother's Day, have a misconception about it because the person who started it wanted it to be a religious holiday with no gifts. She wanted it to be done in church, and you brought, you brought your mother a carnation, and that was like that. Um, so it's been sort of t- mushed into, into other things. But I think, you know, each mother has to decide, what, for it to really be Mother's Day, what is that 
what would make it Mother's Day for her. And, you know, for some moms, it's just not, you know, breakfast in bed. Who wants crumbs in their bed, you know? I mean, <laughs> what is it for you? And I think anytime your kids do things for you and, and you know, um, take care of you and say they love you, I mean, it, there are so many different ways to do that. So I think that that needs to be more personal than it is. And, and people need to just let, let go thinking there has to be one way or another to do it. I think that's great advice. I, one of my staff members actually um, last year on Mother's Day, um, I I just happened we were talking about it and what they were going to be doing, and she said I called my children and I said, you know, look, you know, um, I lost dad a year and a half ago. I really don't want to go to breakfast. I really don't want to go to lunch, dinner, whatever it is you have planned. What I really would like to do is I'd like you to come to my house. I'd like you to help me in the outside of the house with the gardening and and then I'll make dinner for you. It's fine. But that's what I would really like. And they were like, really? Yeah. <laughs> she was yeah, like, yes. And that's the thing. Is she was happier and it was easier for them because they knew she would like what they were doing and they didn't, they weren't just sort of making it up out of, you know, air. Meg, my last question to you is gratitude. So we always talk about gratitude at Thanksgiving, but how do you incorporate um, a, a sense of gratitude and other celebrations and other holiday events? Well, there are many ways to do it, and I also think it's it's important to do it daily. I mean, I know um, some families have, uh, this one family is at bedtime, or you could also do it at dinner time. They do gratefuls and grumbles, and you start with the grumble. What, what was, you know, something that annoyed you about your day, but end with the grateful. And, you know, I literally, I went through a really hard time after my husband died, um, and also during the caregiving phase, and I created a blessings bank for myself. And I, you know, some people have like a gratitude jar where you have to put something in every day. For me, it was just keeping my eyes open and when something special happened that somebody did something nice for me or whatever, I put something into that, to that jar. It's just a sort of a blinged out mason jar. And it helped me so much to have it. And I think, you know, just to make it a more ordinary thing just reminds you you have a lot more blessings in your life than you think you do. That's a lovely thought. And, and you know, I've often heard people say uh, on the show when we're talking about sleep and difficulty um, sleeping, that one of the things that's really helpful is when you're trying to fall asleep at night, you know, to think about the things that you're really grateful for um, and that you really appreciate. Meg, you have given us so much great information. Give us your contact information and sure. how, we, well, how we can learn he- more. People can go to megcox.com and um, link to some, uh, some of my writing and find out more about the Book of New Family Traditions, and uh, that's, the, that's the best place to go. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with us today on Caught Between Generations. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you so much. So my uh, takeaway for today really has to do with the importance of family traditions and rituals uh, for seniors who are going through major transitions. So it may be that they're moving from their own home into your home, or they may be moving from their home into an assisted living or perhaps even into a nursing facility. And with my own work with seniors, what I see happen very often is the rituals get forgotten, the family traditions get forgotten because they're moving into a new type of situation. And yet at those times, it's really or it really means the most uh, to these seniors whose lives are changing and their routines are changing that many of the family 
traditions and rituals stay the same, and, and it really does provide for them an anchor. So this is Dr. Merrill asking you to do just one thing for yourself, but also this time one thing for someone else, and that is to think through the family traditions and rituals that you have and how important they are for the seniors in your family, especially those that are going through major transitions, and think about how you can continue those family traditions and rituals with them, even when they are living in different circumstances than before. So I hope you'll watch us on Facebook Live and continue to give us reviews. I so appreciate everything that you do, and especially that you do for others. Once again, do just one thing for yourself. It's really important to keep taking care of yourself. It's just one thing. This is Dr. Merrill. Take care. I hope you have a really good week. Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.